Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Hey, hey, y'all. What's going on? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. We are rolling with episode 67 of the podcast here on Wednesday, June 22nd. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you like the Xander's Facts Podcast, if you think you're going to like the facts on this week's edition, because I've got a ton of facts to share, like notes, pages of notes, it's crazy, ton of facts. But if you think you're going to like them this week, remember to click the follow button on this podcast, download this episode, episode 67, rate the podcast, review the podcast, go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z. And then remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts Podcast, tell all your friends. In fact, I just thought of this today because I was there. If you go to Starbucks or any place and you make an order and the person who is waiting on you says, all right, what's the name for your order? Say Xander's Facts because they'll be like, well, that's a strange name, Xander's Facts, Xander with a Z. Remember that. And then they'll go look up Xander's Facts. They'll be like, what in the world is Xander's Facts? So they look it up. They say, oh my gosh, it's a podcast. Oh my gosh, it's a newsletter. So then they look Xander's Facts. They read Xander's Facts. They listen to Xander's Facts. Oh my gosh, it's chain Xander's Facts. So then everybody knows Xander's Facts. What are you talking about? That is called spreading the facts. Next time you go to Starbucks, you better do that. And also remember to read Xander's Weekend Facts because we've got a recap of the week's top headlines every Sunday morning. On Xander's Weekend Facts, it is free to read and sign up to get it in your email inbox. Do that every Sunday morning, Xander's Weekend Facts. This week, I've got a ton of facts to talk about. We had three big facts last week. We kind of do this week too, but I've got a main topic to talk about, but two kind of little topics. One of them isn't that little, but we're going to talk about them this week. First, though, start with some sports basketball to the detriment of our senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, on this podcast. The NBA season is over. So sad. Because the NBA Finals came to an end on Thursday night with the Golden State Warriors defeating the Boston Celtics in six games to win the NBA championship. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a couple weeks ago, Hillbilly was on the podcast and we predicted the NBA Finals. This was before the finals started and who was going to win and how many games. Both of us said Warriors in six. So... If you're following Xander's facts, that is yet another correct fact. Last year, actually, I proclaimed myself the king of facts because the Bucks won in six, and I said before the final started that the Bucks were going to win in six. So on basketball-related matters, you might want to listen to me because I don't know if you know this, but the NCAA tournament, March Madness. Here we go. The championship, I predicted Kansas would win it. Before the tournament started, Kansas won it. Last year, I predicted Baylor would win it. They won it. I mean, I am four for four on my basketball championship predictions on this podcast, which, I mean, it's called Xander's Facts for a reason, so. But you need to be listening to Xander's Facts for your basketball knowledge and all knowledge, because I've only got the facts too. So the NBA season is over. As I said before I went off on my little rant, but the Warriors won. They beat the Celtics in six games for Steve Kerr, their head coach, and their tandem, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. It is the fourth championship for the Warriors in the last eight seasons, and it's a pretty tremendous rebound for a team that was dominating the league in the last half of the 2010s when they won their other three titles, but they took a major drop-off in the last two seasons because in the last two years, they did not make the playoffs at all. They didn't make it in the bubble, and then they didn't make it the next season, 2021. Golden State is back at the top of basketball supremacy. And Steph Curry won his first NBA Finals MVP. He averaged over 30 points per game in that series. The other team are the Boston Celtics, who came up just short. There were some doubts, though, at the beginning of that series because they won game one, they won game three. It was like, ooh, the Celtics might win this, but the Warriors won it. You would think, though, that the Celtics would be right back here pretty soon. They've got that young tandem, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They're going to be fighting some historical doubts, however, because as you may know, it is very difficult to be one of only two teams out of 30 to make it to the NBA Finals. The Durant, Westbrook, Harden, Thunder back in the day, they only made the Finals once and they lost it in five games. The Raptors haven't come anywhere close recently except 
when they had Kawhi that one year in 2019 when they won it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Boston and a bunch of other teams this offseason. And speaking of the offseason, the NBA draft takes place on Thursday, tomorrow, if you didn't know. The big names in the draft are those at the top. We've got Paolo Bancara from Duke. We've got Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. And we got Jabari Smith from Auburn. So those three guys are almost assuredly going to be selected in the top three. And all three of them impressed at the collegiate level last year. All of them were freshmen. So they did the one and done thing. But of course, Chet Holmgren is the skinniest player I've ever seen. He's seven feet tall. He's not even 200 pounds, I think. Like, seriously. Whoa. It may not happen, but I, if I was a general manager for the NBA, for the Orlando Magic, who have the first pick, I would select Paolo Bancaro with the first pick. Because I will just say I watched most of his games last season with Duke. Is He's pretty good. It's pretty clear that he is ready for the league and probably is going to be a force in the league in a couple years. I'll just say that. Sanders facts, my basketball predictions come true, just to let you know. So the Magic have the first pick, and there isn't really any clear direction that they're going to go in at the moment, so we'll see on Thursday, I guess. But the Thunder and the Rockets round out the top three. The Kings and the Pistons are also in the top five, and that's the NBA draft, which takes place Thursday night at 8 o'clock on ABC and ESPN. So that's one date, big time, in the NBA offseason. But there are some other off-season dates to keep a track of, including July 1st, when free agency moratorium starts, which is when deals on free agents can be reached with teams, and they can start negotiating at 6 o'clock on June 30th, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And then July 6th at noon is when free agency officially begins. So free agents can then begin to sign deals with teams, and then we start to see what the teams are going to look like next year. So then, going to October, training camps begin on October 4th, and then the season, the 2022-23 NBA season, starts in its usual mid-October time frame. But until then, we are done with basketball. We are taking a break. Until October. What did you say? Because we've got plenty of other facts to talk about, like this thing that I found in Texas this week. Uh-oh. Well, you probably know what I'm talking about, but before we get to our main topic this week, we're going to talk about what Republicans in Texas are up to, because you never know what is going on down in Texas. If you will remember, though, way back in 2020, when the RNC was going on, the Republican National Convention, the Republicans crafted their party's platform like each party does every four years at their convention. Well, actually, you don't remember that because they didn't do that. They reused their platform from 2016. They did, however, issue a one-page resolution that stated the party, quote, has and will continue to enthusiastically support the president's America First agenda, unquote. Trump, the president at the time. One of the final steps in becoming the party of Trump. Republicans in Texas, though, decided to take a different route and create an all-new platform. Ah, and oh boy, it is a doozy. You might have heard about some of the stuff that is in it, but I'm going to tell you what the Republican Party of Texas's 2022 platform entails, and it's pretty crazy. It's also pretty important because Texas is the second largest state by landmass and by population in the country, and it's the biggest state where Republicans usually win. So let's get into this thing because 40-page document is what this was. It features everything from education and taxes to elections and Texas's relationship with the federal government. You see what I'm talking about in a second. But here are just a couple of the items that the platform features. Let's do it. Let's start with the Voting Rights Act of 1965. You know, the one that prohibited racial discrimination in voting and helped end segregation in the South. You know that one. Well, this platform says that that act should be repealed because, quote, we urge that the Voting Rights Act of 1965, codified and updated in 1973, be repealed and not reauthorized, unquote. So there's first thing for you. No support for individuals that identify as LGBTQ+. Quote, homosexuality is an abnormal lifestyle's choice, unquote. Quote, we oppose all efforts to validate transgender identity, unquote. On Pride Month. 
interesting. Oops! Also, there should be no restrictions on guns, and red flag laws that prevent dangerous people from buying guns should be repealed. Quote, nullify any gun laws that violate the Second Amendment or rights of due process, unquote. Quote, support national reciprocity for gun ownership rights, unquote. Quote, repeal and slash or nullify the National Firearms Act of 1934 and the Gun Control Act of 1968, unquote. By the way, the 1934 law requires that fully automatic firearms, rifles, and shotguns be registered, so apparently we shouldn't have to register those anymore, and the 1968 law banned mail orders of rifles and shotguns and also prohibited felons, drug users, and people that were found to be mentally incompetent from buying guns. So apparently, we're going to give everyone guns. Felons, yeah, also. Quote, whereas those under 21 are most likely to be victims of violent crime and thus most likely to need to defend themselves, whereas red flag laws violate one's right to due process and are a pre-crime punishment of people not adjudicated guilty, unquote, quote, whereas waiting periods on gun purchases harm those who need to acquire the means of self-defense in emergencies such as riots, whereas all gun control is a violation of the Second Amendment and our God-given rights, we reject the so-called bipartisan gun agreement, unquote. Quote, there should be no gun-free zones in Texas, unquote. So we are going all out with the guns. And by the way, I'm saying quote because these are quotes from the platform because I actually read it just to let you know. Judge Xander. Also, the United States should leave the United Nations, which is headquartered in New York City, by the way, if you didn't know. Quote, the United Nations is a detriment to the sovereignty of the United States and other countries. Because of this, we support our withdrawal from the current United Nations, the removal of the United Nations from the United States soil, unquote, quote, withdrawal from the corrupt World Health Organization, WHO, unquote, quote, we reject the concept of a one-world government or the Great Reset, unquote. Also, if you didn't know, all abortion should be outlawed, quote, we urge lawmakers to enact legislation to abolish abortion by immediately securing the right to life and equal protection of the laws to all preborn children from the moment of fertilization. Because abortion violates the U.S. Constitution by denying such persons the equal protection of the law, unquote. That is not true. Getting rid of public health care options with no alternative solutions. Quote, we oppose any further expansion of Medicaid. We demand the immediate repeal of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, which we believe to be unconstitutional, unquote. The Affordable Care Act is, of course, Obamacare. And apparently, they don't like the $7.25 minimum wage either, just like Democrats, because, quote, repeal minimum wage law and prevailing wage laws, unquote. So actually, they want to go in the opposite direction. They want you to make less. They want to get rid of the minimum wage. Interesting. Also, marijuana should not be legalized. Quote, oppose the legalization of recreational marijuana and offer opportunities for drug treatment before penalties for its illegal possession use or distribution. Unquote. Money should also be diverted from public schools towards private and charter schools. Quote, Texas families should be empowered to choose from public, private, charter, or homeschool options for their children's education. And the funding should follow the student. Unquote. Quote, we oppose any attempt to regulate homeschooling or the curriculum of private or religious schools, unquote. So they're not going to tell them what they have to teach, but they're going to give them a bunch of money. Okay, also with schools, change should come to what is taught in schools because, quote, we support prayer, the Bible, and the Ten Commandments being returned to our schools, courthouses, and other government buildings, unquote. They also want to remove sex education from the curriculum of public schools. Quote, Texas students should learn about the humanity of the pre-born child, including life-affirming decisions of life and the study of life. Life begins at fertilization, milestones of fetal development at two-week gestational intervals, use of fetal baby models, witnessing of a live ultrasound, unquote. And finally, quote, since education is not an enumerated power of the federal government, we believe the Department of Education should be abolished and the transfer of any of its functions to any other federal agency should be prohibited, unquote. Two more. Also, did you know this? President Joe Biden did not actually win the 2020 election. How about that? Quote, we believe that the 2020 election violated Article 1 and 2 of the Constitution. Oh. That various secretaries of state illegally circumvented their state legislatures in conducting their elections in multiple ways, including by allowing ballots to be received after November 3rd, 2020. 
We believe that substantial election fraud in key metropolitan areas significantly affected the results in five key states in favor of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. We reject the certified results of the 2020 presidential election, and we hold that acting President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was not legitimately elected by the people of the United States. We strongly urge all Republicans to work to ensure election integrity and to show up to vote in November of 2022. Bring your friends and family, volunteer for your local Republicans, and overwhelm any possible fraud, unquote. So, you know. And finally, are you done? Here's the big one. Give Texas the option to secede from the United States. Quote, pursuant to Article 1, Section 1 of the Texas Constitution, the federal government has impaired our right of local self-government. Therefore, federally mandated legislation that infringes upon the Tenth Amendment rights of Texas should be ignored, opposed, refused, and nullified. Texas retains the right to secede from the United States, and the Texas legislature should be called upon to pass a referendum consistent thereto. Unquote. Quote, we urge the Texas legislature to pass a bill in its next session requiring a referendum in the 2023 general election for the people of Texas to determine whether or not the state of Texas should reassert its status as an independent nation, unquote. Well, holy that is a lot. Obviously, there's a ton of crazy stuff in there, but the last point as you may have thought, is what has brought pause and attention. Texas retains the right to secede from the United States. So, Texas Republicans might want to secede from the United States, become an independent nation as they were for 10 years before it was annexed by the U.S. in 1845. Everything is bigger in Texas, I guess. Even the craziness. Now, it's not like we're actually begging Texas to stay. I'm sure that the other 49 states would do perfectly fine without Texas. But Republicans might actually want to beg, because just looking at this politically, if Texas leaves, that's two fewer Republican senators, 24 Republican House seats that would be gone, and 38 fewer votes in the Electoral College. Did you know that? It's not just Republican politicians that would suffer. The effects of this would be devastating for Texas. And we actually talked about this a little bit back on episode 49 of this podcast, which you should go listen to, by the way. Same as Bog. When the talk of civil war in the country was rising, we were talking about that. Talked about that on the podcast because we had to, uh, crazy stuff. But also, this is crazy. Like, this is crazy stuff, too. Like, it, it ain't gonna happen. But let me just say, if Texas leaves, there goes all the federal funds that the state gets. Federal aid funds account for 32.6 of the state's revenues. And I don't think that people in Texas would be kind to pay the government more money because they seceded and the government needs more money to pay for their services. Um, but Texas is the only state that's willing to take that catastrophic step because Texas is not alone. Texas is not the only state that gets money from the federal government for their state's revenues. And a bunch of states get a lot more, some states get less. But Texas is the only one that's willing to take this step. And if Texas leaves... There goes all that health care for its citizens, government health care. Texas had 4,286,051 Medicare beneficiaries in 2020. They had 4,034,937 people enrolled in Medicaid, things which the Texas GOP would rather abolish anyway. And because they're not a part of the United States, they wouldn't have. So all those people would be like, where's my health care? They'd be like, oh, sorry, we took it away. And they'd be like, oh, why would you do that? Well, you know, Republican stuff. So... What would be in place in Texas would not be democracy. As we've said on this podcast, Republicans really don't care about democracy because all they want is power. It would basically be a church state, a theocracy, not a democracy. If you know, there are only six countries in the world that are theocracies, including Afghanistan, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. Spitting the truth. And I don't think I'd like to live in any of those countries with oppressive governments. But I guess that's what Texas wants. Or the Republican Party. I don't know. But there were 5,890,347 votes for Trump in the 2020 election in Texas. But there were also 5,259,126 votes for Biden in 2020. And if Texas secedes, 
What's going to happen to all those voters who didn't vote in the Republican tyranny? Like, surely the deeply blue cities of Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and a bunch of others probably wouldn't want to leave. So, I mean, those are all things to think about in this scenario. A scenario, I will say, very unlikely, very outlandish. Don't play much into this because it's not going to happen. It feels like every so often something like this gets brought up and it takes over the news coverage. I would doubt that there's any chance of this happening in the near term. I don't know. Those people are crazy. They, you know, insurrection. They did that. Uh, We'll see. But actually, what's going on here is what Texas Republicans are doing by including that is trying to shove your attention away from everything else that they included in that platform, which is why I read all that stuff off. Getting rid of any and all gun control measures, outlawing abortion, keeping marijuana illegal, bringing Jesus back into public schools, and repealing the 1965 Voting Rights Act, among others, all policies which are unpopular and of which Republicans are not in the majority in this country. That's the big story. And the fact that they still believe that the 2020 election was stolen and that Joe Biden's not the legitimate president. Are you stupid? I would just say that it shows a lot about the Republican Party in 2022 when the Texas Republican Party's platform is that. So I just want to remind you because you all are thinking, well, I can't believe Joe Biden is causing inflation. He's got the gas prices to go so high. I'm not going to vote for him. Well, the alternative is that, what I just read. Also, all the stuff that you just blabbered, or I just blabbered, about inflation and gas prices, we're going to talk about, like, right now on this podcast, because let's get to our main topic for the day. Tell me, tell me. The economy. It's the economy, stupid. James Carville. Specifically, what's going on with gas prices and inflation. Now, these are topics that we have touched on on this podcast before, but I felt like we need to revisit them this week because a lot has changed and people are still thinking stupid stuff. So I had to get the facts out, bring them out, make sure you knew the facts because I got a lot of facts on this issue. True, true. So let's talk about them because as you may have known, if you're in the United States, around the world also, gas prices have soared for many over the past few months, but gas is not the only thing that has increased in price. Basically everything is costing more. And people, as you may have thought, are not happy. You may not be happy. So let's get down to why inflation is happening and why gas prices are up. And because everyone loves someone to blame, y'all are blaming someone and I know who it is. I'm gonna give you some people who you can blame. Just wait until I get done with this podcast. That's nice. Plus, we're gonna get into what the future could hold for the economy. So let's start off with what's behind the rise in the price of goods. And I do have to mention that I did talk about inflation and gas prices on this podcast, episode 41. If you want to go back and take a look at that, that is from November of last year. So a lot has changed since then. So let's just give a quick look at what has caused inflation once again. There are several explanations several reasons. But before we do that, let's look at what is going on right now. Let's get into the numbers. Because back when we talked about this in November, we found that the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, which measures inflation, jumps in prices, had jumped 6.1% in October of 2021 from one year ago. Well, now that number in May of this year was at 8.6%, which is the highest since December 1981. It's not as high as it did get back then, though, because that number reached its highest 14% in the early 1980s. Yikes! Both those numbers are well above what policymakers' targets are for annual inflation, which is about 2%. That's how much we should be growing each year in the Consumer Price Index. We're growing way too hot, 8.6%. The Consumer Price Index, CPI, if you didn't know, comes from the Labor Department, and it calculates the prices of various goods and services to see what change there has been from one year ago to now. So say I'm looking at a car, or the average 
of cars, and I look at the cars, the prices, the average price from a year ago, then I look at it from today, the consumer price index sees that jump. Let's just say it's 8.6% higher. So there you go. When you take out food and energy prices from the CPI, though, it was up 6% from last month. So when we take a look at the individual sectors of the CPI, food and energy, of course, are leading the charge in the increase. Food costs are up 10.1% over the past year. Energy prices are up 34.6%. Fuel oil is up 106.7%. It has doubled. Shelter costs are up 5.5% over the last 12 months, and shelter costs actually account for nearly a third of the CPI. Another issue have been vehicles, which are in low supply due to supply chain shortages, which we're also dealing with. Used vehicle prices are up 16.1% over the past year. Travel prices are increasing too, which is expected because people are getting out after COVID. They couldn't go anywhere. Now everybody's going everywhere, it seems, which is slow down, people. Flight prices are up 38% over the past year, and hotel prices are up 22%. That's a lot of numbers. And also, when we were looking at this back in November, the average price for a gallon of gas in the U.S. was $3.41. That number is now $4.97, which is actually lower than a week ago when it was at its all-time high, just above $5. And this is all happening while wages are not increasing as fast. In fact, on a year-over-year basis, real average hourly earnings were down 3%, which means that buying power has decreased. Your buying power has decreased by 3% on average. So, what is causing the rise in prices? Well, there's several things, including coming out of the pandemic can be to blame. And also, COVID lockdowns in China, which are still going on, Russia's invasion of Ukraine as well, have created supply chain shortages on goods, mainly gas in Russia's case, shortages of truck drivers and spaces in warehouses and ports for goods to come into the country are also causing issues, and manufacturing is not up to pre-pandemic levels, thanks to Chinese lockdowns a lot. Scarce goods and shortages of workers in key sectors, prices are rising because of those. Another reason is the money that was pumped into the economy during COVID. I'll just say that. The stimulus checks that were sent out by the government did encourage more spending, while supply has not picked up in many areas. Now, I am not saying that there should not have been stimulus checks during COVID because there should have been, because if there weren't, the economy during the early lockdowns of COVID probably would have been much worse if they weren't set out. So that did help. And also, encouraging spending specifically on big purchases has been the low interest rates set by the Federal Reserve, although that is changing now, which we're going to get to in a second. So in short, people are spending big, but supply hasn't picked up to coincide with increased spending. It's simple economics, supply and demand. You all hopefully know how this works. When you have large demand, but small supply, prices go up because you've got a bunch of people clamoring for that small supply. On the contrary, when you have small demand, but large supply, prices go down because you want people to buy your stuff. This is a fact. So that's basically just a recap of what we talked about back on episode 41 in November, but with an updated look for June of 2022. But I didn't really mention gas prices. I did a little bit. But what about gas prices? Because that has been a key sticking point for people. It's the same thing. High demand and less supply. It's not the president, Joe Biden, pushing some button on his desk to make gas prices go higher, even though that is what some people think. Gas prices are rising because the price of oil has been rising for a little bit now. But there are several factors behind this. The main one is that the price of crude oil has risen rapidly. You'll remember that there was actually a point during the pandemic where you could actually get paid to buy a barrel of oil. We should have done that. Not the case anymore. As of Tuesday, the price for a barrel of oil was around $110, and it was about this high in the first half of the previous decade, the 2010s, but it hovered between $50 and $70 in the latter half of the decade, and it's also far from the all-time high, which is $140 back 
at the height of the recession in 2008. However, the issue is the rapid increase in price in a short amount of time. At this time last year, a barrel of oil was around $73. That can also be equated to the war in Ukraine starting. We're going to talk about that in a second. There's also the fact, on the contrary, that the United States is the world's largest producer of oil and processed petroleum products. But here's the issue. The U.S. sends a lot of that oil to other countries like those in Latin America and Europe. The U.S. is a big exporter of oil. But why don't we just use that for ourselves? That's because, as I'm about to tell you, Listen up! Refineries in the U.S. process the types of oil that we do not use. They process other types of oil that is used in other countries. Why? I don't know. But the cost to reconfigure those refineries would be expensive for the poor oil companies who aren't making any money. That's not true. You're a liar! So, the U.S. has to buy most of its oil from other countries and is the second largest importer in the world after China. We also use much more oil than we produce, so even if those refineries were reconfigured, we would still have to import oil. So then, where are we importing oil from? Well, the answer includes many countries that we aren't exactly friends with. Now, actually, the top two sources of petroleum to the U.S. are Canada and Mexico, our neighbors, who were Canada, were friends. Mexico, their president, uh, I don't know. But it gets murky after that. Last year, 2021, Russia accounted for 8% of imports. Saudi Arabia accounted for 5%. And Colombia accounted for 2%. Saudi Arabia is a part of OPEC, but the U.S. also gets oil from other countries in that group, including Iran, Iraq, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and Venezuela. Now, I wouldn't consider all of those to be friendly with the U.S. Just saying, you know, we've had a couple wars with couple of those countries. Russia's war with Ukraine and subsequent halting of buying oil from Russia by most of the world has had a big impact as well. Oil prices spiked right after Russian oil stopped being bought, which is a good thing because Russia's bad. And Middle Eastern countries like Saudi Arabia and the UAE haven't ramped up production fast enough to offset the losses from Russia. And the Biden administration has been pressuring companies in the U.S. and foreign oil companies to ramp up production, but they're not doing it. Many oil companies don't want to increase production because they fear the price could drop because, you know, we have to make a profit first. Yeah, okay. And foreign countries like those in OPEC, which is, by the way, the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, also have an increased production because they have a shortage of workers because they laid a bunch of people off after COVID and potential fear of lost profits. Oh no, money! The average price of gas is $4.97 per gallon right now, as I said, which is right at the all-time high that was set last week. However, if you adjust for inflation, we still have not reached the levels of 2008, which were well over $5 per gallon adjusted for inflation. And gas in the early 2010s cost about the same when adjusted for inflation. And here's another reminder too, that it is not just the US that is experiencing high gas prices. This is going on all over the world because as of Monday, the average price for a US gallon of gas was five American dollars, 40 cents in Australia, 6.55 in Canada, $7.53 in Germany, $8.66 in the UK, and $10.08 in Finland. So you're like, oh my gosh, how could Sleepy Joe do this? How could Sleepy Joe do that to Finland? I mean, oh my gosh, what do they ever do to him? Disrespectful! So, now that we know why prices are increasing, what is going to happen next? With inflation, we're kind of talking about two things now, inflation and gas prices, but with inflation, the government looks like they have their plan. Increase interest rates. You've probably noticed because the Fed just raised interest rates by its biggest one-time increase since 1994. Fact! Last Wednesday, the Fed's benchmark interest rate jumped by 0.75%, so that's three quarters of a percent. So now it's at 1.5 to 1.75%. And this is being done in an effort to stop excessive spending, especially on big purchases by consumers. But it could be risky. Just in a second, we'll talk about that. And there's also supply chain shortages 
which have also been a major factor in the excessive inflation. And those, hopefully, should ease their way back to normal over time, because China's COVID lockdowns have been a major factor in this, and hopefully, they will ease up in the near future. However, economic analysts are now saying something they weren't just a few months ago, that the U.S. could be headed in the next year, bear with me, for a recession. Oh my gosh, Sander, how could you do this to us, a recession? First off, I didn't make the rules. Second off, yes, hold your horse's whinies, because I know a bunch of you just whined when I said that. Quit your whining. Because while most aspects of the economy are healthy at the moment, like consumer spending and the job market, the sudden increase in interest rates could bring a jolt to the economy that could be harmful. So when we take a look at the stock market, I mean, we're looking at it back in November on the podcast, and it was doing pretty well, but it has had a rough 2022. Because after Tuesday's close, where the Dow actually gained 641 points, the Dow Jones Industrial Average sat at 30,530 points. The issue is that it is down nearly 16% from the beginning of the year and almost 10% from one year ago today. The NASDAQ, which is currently at 11,069 points, nice, is down 29% from the beginning of the year and 21% from a year ago, while the S&P 500, which is currently sitting at 3,764 points, is down 21% this year and almost 11% from a year ago. So the stock market hasn't been at this level since early 2021. A bear market could be in the near future, we'll see, but we also aren't sure where it could go because it could go right back up to record levels. We don't know. We'll see. But there's also the worry of stagflation, which is a term that is being used recently, which you were like, what is stagflation? Well, stagflation could bring a mixture of high inflation and slow economic growth. Economists believe that the unemployment rate is going to increase from where it is right now at 3.6% due to the Fed raising interest rates. Now, if the unemployment rate starts to increase before the rate of inflation goes down, the CPI, that could be the signal for stagflation, which is what happened in the 1970s. But let me just say, because you all freaked out, 1970s were not very good. But economists do not see any potential effect to be the same as what happened then. So hopefully that's true. Now, in regards to oil, production is rising, which we need. And there appears to be short-term relief because gas prices could continue on their downward trend for the next few weeks, but not very much, just, you know, a little bit. And last week, President Biden took a shot at oil companies. He wrote a letter to seven oil refiners that operate in the U.S. Biden noted that back in March, when oil barrel prices were about the same price, about $120, gas prices were averaging $4.25 per gallon. Now, they're higher than that. Biden blames corporate greed for the increase over the last few months, saying that oil companies' profits, quote, are currently at their highest levels ever recorded, unquote. So Biden's actually right about that because ExxonMobil, which is the U.S.'s largest oil company, reported a net profit of 5.5 billion dollars in the past few months. Chevron posted its highest quarterly profit in nearly a decade, and Shell had its highest earnings ever recently. Of course, all these companies are doing is raking in it for their company leaders and their shareholders because, you know, those are the people that we should be caring about the most, not the people who are actually, you know, going to their jobs paying for gas. No, we need to give the money to the company leaders who are already making billions. That's not a fact. But also, Biden claimed last week that there were over 9,000 oil drilling permits across the U.S. that are going unused at the moment. And PolitiFact rated that claim as mostly true, saying that the only issue with it was he did not include the explanation that it takes time for companies to begin drilling. But it is correct that at the end of last year, there were 9,173 approved and available permits to drill oil on federal and Indian lands in the United States. Out of the more than 24 million acres that are under lease to oil and gas companies in this country, close to half are not producing any 
oil. That's a fact! So basically, his claim was rated mostly true because the government has done all they can do to give oil companies land to drill, and didn't mention that the oil companies actually need to do work to get rigs there and other materials to the lands to drill. Like, you see where I'm heading with this? Many oil executives also believe that an oil price crash is coming. In the past eight years, we have had two of those. Two crashes. So, it's probably gonna happen. The question is when. And that is why production is not being ramped up, because it would cost oil companies more, and it would potentially decrease profits, especially if there's another oil crash. Oh no, you're not making as much money! That's terrible! That was dumb. There's also the fact that in Biden's first year in office, the U.S. produced an average of 11 million barrels of crude oil per day. That number in Trump's first year was 9 million. Now in 2019, that number was 12.3 million. But forecasts from the U.S. Energy Information Administration have that number reaching 12.4 million next year, which would be an all-time record. So we'll see. And also, you're probably listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, Xander's not talking about the Keystone XL pipeline because Biden got rid of that and that would have been the savior to all our problems, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. Well... Sorry to burst your bubble, but the talk that the Keystone XL pipeline would be saving us right now is a pipe dream. See what I did there? The pipeline, which President Biden revoked the permit on for federal lands, would not be complete and would still have a couple years left until completion right now. It was only 8% complete when the permit was pulled last year, so I don't think it'd be ready right now. That pipeline would have increased the flow of crude oil from Canada to the Gulf Coast. Yet, we have places we can drill for oil here in the U.S. Just seems like something to blame Biden for, which doesn't make any sense because it wouldn't have any effect at the moment. We're already getting oil from Canada, including from the original Keystone Pipeline, which follows the exact same path through the U.S., and we still have land, a ton of land, 12 million acres to drill for oil in the U.S. And you're talking about, you know, I said earlier that all those companies have refineries that are for foreign oil. Well, if you make a refinery for domestic oil, problem solved. Like, you can do that before you start drilling at a new location. Like, uh, I don't know. And even if it was operational at the moment, the Keystone XL pipeline, it really wouldn't be the end-all be-all to stopping high gas prices. So people need to like get over it and live in the real world because I don't know what you're hearing on Facebook, but I'm just going to assume that your Facebook friends are not a bunch of economists who know what they're talking about. So I'll leave it at that. Need some ice for that sick burn. But also, there's also recent news that has come out that Biden is considering a gas tax holiday. However, if there is a suspension to the federal gas tax, which is right now 18.4 cents per gallon, it would only save the average person about $50 through the end of the year, that's estimated, and federal tax revenue would drop by about $20 billion. Critics are also arguing that a suspension would also worsen inflation because it would increase demand for gas and it would promote people to go out and spend, which you can spend on stuff, but just like don't go crazy, which people might do. Because, you know, and Biden is expected to make his decision on that by the end of the week. Now, just for a moment, I, because you all heard gas tax, you're like, oh, well, my state implemented a gas tax, or my state was talking about a gas tax. I had to talk about Virginia, my home state, because Governor Glenjamin is arguing for a state gas tax holiday for three months. But it was found that the savings of that would likely be minimal for consumers, and all that would happen is the revenue for the Department of Transportation, where the gas tax revenue goes, would drop, and then VDOT wouldn't have as much money for road repairs. So then our roads would be janked up. So then there'd be a bunch of potholes everywhere. And then if you hit a pothole, that's a lot more money to repair your car than you're going to get in savings from this gas tax holiday. Like, it's the truth. Jeez Louise. Of course, this is the same man who is now forcing all state workers to work in office four days a week. But... As I just told you, supply and demand. Why are you increasing demand when you want to lower the price when you have low supply? Oh my gosh, that boy. Of course, just to wrap this up, I'm always going to come into a conversation about oil 
and mention that there are alternatives because we talked about it on this podcast. Episode 42, in fact, just right next to episode 41, if you want to listen to that. Ramping up production on wind, solar, hydro, and other renewable energy sources has got to be a priority for the U.S. and others around the world. And Biden has prioritized that, which is why a bunch of people are getting angry. Oh, you're taking away my oil, my coal. Well, oil and coal are not going to be around forever. We're going to run out of them someday. We've basically run out of coal in Appalachia, and now it's one of the poorest regions in the country. You see what happens. We better be ready when we do, because we have a test case of this. Coal is gone in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Kentucky, West Virginia. Coal country. It's gone. And those places are deserted. They are poor. It is horrible. We know what happens when you are not ready when a fossil fuel runs out. So now we got to prepare because we don't want the whole country looking like that. That, ugh, rough times. No, no, not! So, in conclusion, let me just remind everyone of something that I said back in November on episode 41 because you're thinking inflation. Inflation's terrible. Inflation is not a bad thing. When you don't have inflation, you either have two things, stagnation or deflation. And those are really bad for the economy because stagnation means the economy is not growing. Deflation means it is shrinking, which you don't want it to shrink. Now, the level of inflation we're experiencing is cause for concern because over the last 40 years or so, inflation has increased around 2% each year on average, which indicates a healthy economy. That's what they're going for. What the goal is, is to have inflation increase at a slow and steady rate along with a similar increase in wages so that consumers don't feel the increase that much. Of course, inflation of 6 to 8% is not good, especially when wages are not rising by a similar amount. So, inflation, not bad. This inflation, big inflation, yeah, kind of bad when you don't have wages rising. So, if you actually look at the facts, and I just spewed a ton of facts on this podcast. These are facts! You will see that no matter who the president was, this level of inflation was going to happen, no matter if Biden or Trump won in 2020. Stimulus was pumped into the economy before the 2020 election, with some after as well. And I will say, that's fine. And any interference by the president in the private sector would, of course, be labeled as socialism. Oh no. But what the stock market does, along with the unemployment rate in the near future, is going to determine whether we can get out of this without a recession, or if we're going to fall into one. We'll see. And the CPI index for June, which is going to come out in early July, is also going to be interesting to see if inflation continues to rage or if it cools down. So finally, let's talk about gas prices, because I just don't understand why we are blaming Joe Biden for gas prices when I literally just told you why gas prices are the way that they are. Stop being lazy. Stop being stupid. Chill out. And also, let me just say, if Trump was the president and he did the same things that Biden was doing, I'd say that too, even though I don't like him. But I, I cannot see anything that he's doing that's hurting. You say Keystone Exxon Pipeline. I just said no. With facts. Like, you want someone to blame, here's someone to blame. Maybe the leaders of the oil companies you should blame because the oil companies are, in fact, it is a fact, bringing in record profits as prices rise for consumers, especially when the Biden administration has given millions of acres of land to oil companies, only for them not to drill. Like, they're not drilling. They have the land. The government has done what it needs to do, but the companies won't drill because they're prioritizing profits. Next time you go to the pump, maybe don't stick a little stupid Biden, I did that sticker on the pump. How about you stick a little Exxon, I did that sticker or a Shell sticker on there? Actually, don't actually do that because that's the facing private property and it's legal and don't be stupid, moron. America! And yes, electric vehicles are a great solution, but they are hard to come by right now. I know that. And they are expensive right now. And also, Tesla apparently is out of the picture now because Elon Musk is adult. But maybe... Don't blame those who are pushing solutions like wind, solar, and electric so that we can actually get off oil because we are going to run out of oil. The world is going to run out of oil at some point. So, like, we have other options. Maybe we should start using those other options. Now, 
you're thinking, oh my gosh, this man just loves Joe Biden so much. I am not being a simp for Joe Biden. Please. Because if he was actually doing something to raise oil and gas prices, I would call him out. Just like I said, if Trump was doing the same things that Biden's doing, I wouldn't call him out because I wouldn't see anything that he's doing. I'd call him out for other stuff, like he's got a bunch of other problems. But this, I don't, I don't see anywhere that he is hurting right now. So where would I call him out? Because I actually learned the facts. And I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Theoretically, I mean, theoretically, he could do more to get oil companies to drill more. But then that would be interfering in private companies. And then everyone would scream socialism. So like you kind of have to pick your poison. So that's what I got. So there you go. Now you've got some people to blame, so go blame for our global economic woes. This is going on across the world. Inflation and gas price increases are going on around the world. It's a global problem. So you've got some people to blame, and you've got some facts to back you up. There you go. Sanders facts. Sanders facts. Oh my goodness. I think my head's starting to hurt. I just spread so many facts to you all. That's pretty crazy. All right. Well, that is what I've got for that topic. That's what I've got for my other topics. That's what I got for episode 67 of the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you liked all the facts, facts did not spread any lies. Truth. We get it. If you liked all the facts that I spread on this podcast, remember to click the follow button on this podcast, download this episode, episode 67, rate the podcast, review the podcast, Go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z. Go subscribe on YouTube, Xander's Facts is on YouTube, including this episode, which you can listen to with a nice background. Oh, it's so nice. You can check out Xander's Weekend Facts from Substack, the newsletter, which comes out every Sunday morning. It is free. You can sign up to get it in your email inbox every Sunday morning. Go do that. You can check out the link tree. It's got every Xander's Fact link that you need, including all the social medias, Xander's Weekend Facts, the YouTube, all that stuff. Check it out. And then finally, remember to tell your friends. And when you go to Starbucks, spread the facts. Xander's Facts Podcast. That's episode 67. Episode 68 is coming next week. We're going to talk about some more facts. Actually, I think we're going to stick with the economy. We're going to talk about wealth inequality, the wealth gap on this podcast, which we haven't talked about before. So you might want to listen to that because I'm going to have some facts for you next week on episode 68. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 67 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all for listening and we'll see y'all with episode 68 next week. a lot of facts.